Well, we have uh, in our gospel text today this uh, very well-known story about the the Gerasene demoniac. Uh, sometimes, actually, I think there's a conflict in the in the manuscripts and the biblical manuscripts that come down to us as to actually where this city was. Gadarene, Gerasene. I think there's two or three other versions of it. Uh, but in its general location is known to historians and archaeologists. It's on the eastern northern side of the uh, Sea of Tiberias, and it was in a Gentile territory. And uh, one of the ways that we know it's in a Gentile territory is because the people were herding pigs. Okay, and uh, so it's neat that this is Christ here who's liberating this uh, this Gentile man. He's not a Jewish man. He's a Gentile man. And uh, we see uh, two things. We see the power of the devil, but we see, more importantly, the power of Christ. Uh, so let's talk first about the power of the devil, and then we'll talk about the power of Christ. Um, Satan, uh, naturally speaking, uh, was one of the highest uh, angels. In our theological tradition, he's, he's thought to have been uh, a seraph, uh, which is a very, very high angel. In fact, I think it's the highest order of angels. Um, and uh, because of pride, he turned away from God and, um, and sinned mortally, lost grace, and was confirmed in that, in that loss and, and was damned. Um, Michael is known to, to have um, battled with him and basically displaced him. And it's interesting because actually, again, in the theological tradition, Michael's from a much lower order of angels. So the seraphim are way up there. They don't even have any dealings with human beings. They were created by God just to basically be in God's presence and worship him. Uh, And then you've got all these different orders of angels. And actually, archangels are just above the angels. So Michael's not really that high on the order of angelic being according to nature. So, But nonetheless, Michael can kick the butt of Lucifer because um, of God's grace. So you have a kind of a David and Goliath story going on here. David wins because he's got God on on his side. But the angel, according to nature, uh, according to his created being, is very powerful, very intelligent. And uh, he took along with him after when he fell a third of the angels. And they fell and they became demonic spirits uh, in rebellion to God. And their goal is to basically see if they can't also damn as many human beings along with them as possible. So that's their, that's their goal, their plan. Uh, God allows them to have certain amount of very limited, they, they're on a very short leash. They don't have this kind of, they're not these free agents running around contrary to God's will. They only have any power over human affairs because God allows that to happen. God permits evil, uh, including demonic evil, only because he foresees a greater good coming out of it. So it's always by God's permission. They're on a very short leash. Um, but that, so what's what's how long is that leash? Well, it's short, but there is some give to it. So some things that demons can do, they can uh, have power over material objects that are inanimate, um, like uh, you know chairs and you know houses. You know, it's so like the whole idea of a haunted house. I mean, there's there's some truth to the idea of a haunted house. There is kind of such a thing. Of course, it's romanticized and exaggerated in stories and fairy tales and whatnot, but it's rooted in some kind of reality. There is such a thing as a haunted house. Also, they can have power over animals, and we see that here in our text. 
So they were able, they possessed these pigs, and then the pigs went, and there's thousands of them that were killed in the, in the sea. Um, so they have, they have power over material objects and animals, and then they have power over human beings. Um, the main thing that they do with human beings is temptation. Temptation is essentially a suggestion of an idea in your head. It's like, oh, wouldn't that be nice if you did this? So, <laughs> you know, some kind of a sinful thing, and you're like, ah, oh. or, oh, that person, he's been so mean to you, you should get revenge on him, whatever it might be. So there's these sinful suggestions. So that's kind of the main thing that they do. They try to uh, bring human beings into, into sin. Temptation is their main thing. Uh, also, sometimes God allows uh, demons to actually have physical power over human beings. So, from the lives of the saints, we read uh, Saint, the life of St. Anthony. We, uh, St. Anthony we just celebrated recently. St. Anthony was famous for having physical confrontations with demons. So, sometimes God would allow demons to physically push him around, throw him, beat him up. Padre Pio is another, another saint who is very well known from his life. Uh, he uh, was known for getting God allowed these demons to push him around, so he would physically get beat up, like pummeled um, by demons. So sometimes that could happen too. But I think normally that only happens to saints because for your average Joe, the devil wants to remain concealed. He's much more successful with someone by being hidden. He's not going to do extraordinary things with a person because he'll, he'll manifest himself and make himself... You know, um, reveal himself too openly. The the devil can have power over other things like our finances, our jobs, our family relations. Unfortunately, uh, that can happen. Um, and then uh, those those sorts of ways that the devil has a power over us are very kind of external to us. But then there's deeper levels of power that the that the devil can have over us. There's one. There's a. There's a. An a demonic activity that exorcists refer to as obsession. And it's close to possession, uh, but it's not full possession. Obsession is when the imagination and the emotions and the lower powers of the soul are, are very much like very heavily dominated by the demon. So this usually is in connection to someone who has given themselves over to a certain sin. Okay? So like homosexuality. Someone gives themselves over to homosexuality. Sometimes there can be a demonic obsession that takes place where demons, the persons get opened up this door and the demons have power over their imagination so they're totally fixated on some kind of a you know gross sin, whatever it would be. Um, and uh, so really, really severe sexual deviation can open up the door to demonic influence. Uh, but the big one that really opens up the door to demonic influence is dabbling in the occult. Okay. And if you don't think that that's real, you are extremely naive. <laughs> because the occult is very live and well in America and in Europe, more probably in Europe than in America. Very, very alive and well. And politicians, sometimes big-ranking psychologists and professors and people with PhDs and politicians and powerful people and masons are very much into the occult. Okay? So they're into divining the future and tarot cards and Ouija boards and seances and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, it's still in vogue. It's kind of hush-hush, uh, but it's still around. Um, 
So that is a, that that kind of activity really opens up the door to demonic uh, activity. But then you've got this phenomenon of full possession, and probably the what we're seeing here with this gathering uh, garrison demoniac. This is probably the most extreme case of possession you could find. The guy was completely taken over, so such that when he was speaking, it was a demon speaking through him, and uh, he had thousands of demons that had possessed him. Um, and he lived like an animal. So you can see the demonic mindset. Uh, he's all by himself in the tomb, so he's got obsessed with death. He's, he, there is like superhuman strength he has, so he can rip off the chains and whatnot. Um, and he's, it's interesting because it says, uh, um, let's see here, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. So you see that the sin is destructive by its nature, and the demons are these kind of very self-destructive beings. When they possess a person, you see that kind of behavior exhibited. They're hurting themselves. Okay, Sin is destructive of self. But I believe that this man had a glimmer of hope, and he was, you know, even though the demons were being tormented by the presence of Christ, I think that he, he, he believed that his Savior was present. And God had mercy on him. And you see this great deliverance. Um, and the guy's in his right mind when his fellow townsmen come. And he's just sitting there. And they're like, ah. you know. So one of, the, one of the reasons why God permits demonic activity in the world is because it's an amazing testimony to the power of God and to Jesus Christ. So this was, this was an amazing story that this guy could go and now bring to his fellow countrymen. And Jesus says, go back to your family. That's the other beautiful thing. Sin and the demonic, they alienate us from human relationships, healthy human relationships, and from family. And so when we see this man delivered from the demonic and from sin, he is restored to his family. It's a very beautiful uh, and touching thing. And uh, the best protection against the devil and against sin is having a healthy human family relationship with a good relationship between husband and wife, and uh, mother and sons and daughters and father and sons and daughters. And that's why the devil attacks the family first. He wants to destroy the family because he knows it's the foundation of human community. So if he does away with the family, he's, he's basically he's going to drag all the rest of humankind with him down into hell. So we thank God for the power of Christ that uh, Jesus didn't even have to like wrestle with this guy. He just, just totally overcame the power of the devil, and nothing can withstand uh, Jesus' power. And he permits this kind of stuff only so that in the end uh, he might be glorified.